Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Verse 26, Genesis 1. God said, let us make man in what? Our image. We are not made in the image of angels, you guys. Now, angels may reflect the glory of God, but there's no Bible verses that we could go to that say humans are made in the image of angels. We're actually made in the image of God. So that doesn't make any sense. Here's the second argument. I think this will put it to rest. Let us make. That would mean that if the us is the angels, that would mean that the angels had a part in the creation of mankind. That makes absolutely no sense. So however you want to justify a heavenly court scene and that God is addressing angels, to me, just doesn't fit with the plain reading. Well, then who's he talking to? Well, to me, the only other option you have is that God is having a divine dialogue within the persons of the Holy Trinity. And I think that this is borne out in just the plain reading of the text. You'll notice in Genesis 3.22 and 11.7, there's a same type of divine dialogue. You might ask the question, since I brought it up, is there anywhere else in the Old Testament where it seems like the persons of the Trinity are talking to each other? Three Psalms. Psalm 2, 7, and 8. Write them down for your notes. I will surely tell, Psalm 2, 7, and 8, of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, the very ends of the earth as thy possession. Now that is quoted in the New Testament. And that's Psalm 2. In Psalm 45, 6 and 7, which is quoted in Hebrews 1, it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of joy above thy fellows. That's Psalm 45, 6 and 7. It's quoted in Hebrews 1. It drives Jehovah's Witnesses crazy because God the Father is calling God the Son God. You say, well, how do you make sense of that? Three and one and one and three? How can God be one and yet three? Well, explain this to me. How did God say, let there be light, and there was light? You know, some people say, I can't hold to the Trinity because I can't rationalize it in my mind. Hello? You believe that God spoke things into existence and you can't rationalize the Trinity in your mind? I don't even know how my car starts in the morning, but I believe it. <laughs> Psalm 110, verse 1. Here's another one. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my feet until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Quoted several times in the New Testament. Divine dialogue between the persons of the Holy Trinity. God is three in one and one in three. Don't you think that he should be beyond what, beyond what we could comprehend? He's plural, yet one. You know, H2O, when you put water in a test tube, it's called the triple point of water. It will freeze at the bottom, liquefy in the middle, and puff steam at the top. If water can be three and one at the same time, why not the one who made H2O? I mean, all analogies break down. I would never tell you to use an egg as a symbol of the Trinity. Well, you know, the egg has the outer shell and it has the white and the yolk. That's what God's like. No! No! Please! Use the triple point of water, but don't use the egg analogy. (laughs) 
In Isaiah 6, verse 8, Isaiah sees this incredible image of God, uh, this, this vision of God in his throne room. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know what? John 12 says that what Isaiah saw was Jesus. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and a voice comes there. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. There's divine dialogue all over the Bible. And God is commissioning Isaiah, I think within the triunity of God. And God asks the question, maybe you can hear it for yourself this morning. Who, who will I send? Who will go for us? Have you raised your hand? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I will be your man in that company. I will be the girl in, in my, on my team or in my school that shows forth who you are. The Hebrew word for image is salem. It means to cast a shadow. And when we are uh, living out being image bearers, we are making known God in the world. Have you ever met somebody and you just say, you know what? That person reflects the love of Christ like I've never seen before. That's what it means to be an image bearer. It doesn't mean you look like God. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But his communicable attributes, love, truth, the idea of righteousness, you can convey to the world. In fact, the Bible says one of the things that God is doing is conforming you more into the image of his son. That tells me that even though the fall in some way marred the image, we can still recapture it. In fact, we can be made into that image from one degree of glory to another. And the more you stay in the shadow of God and you worship Him in spirit and in truth and you praise Him, the more you will convey His image. You might ask, was the image lost at the fall? No, but I think it was in some way muddied. Go to Genesis 9. Genesis 9. I've worn out Genesis because my pages are falling out of my Bible. Look at verse 6. Genesis 9.6, Noah's getting off the ark. God makes a declaration. 9.6, he says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Here's capital punishment. And here's why. For the, in the image of God he made man. God says capital punishment is legitimate because man is made in God's image. If you are driving in your car, as I was this morning, and you saw, what are those things that are always dead in the street? It's a possum, right? Do you know why, you know the proverbial philosophical question of our time is, why the chicken crossed the road? You guys all know that? Well, the answer is very simple. The chicken crossed the road to show possums it was possible. Okay, so now you have that question answered. Now, if I drove by a dead possum, I look and I feel bad for it. And believe me, I have very much empathy for animals. Uh, you would consider me an animal lover. I have this 30-pound dog. I love her and she loves me. She's a wonderful creation of God. In fact, there are some days that I wish I were a dog. <laughs> Maybe just for 24 hours. Because you know how they are, right? They just lay around, you know, scratch at the door, let me out. And they're always happy. <laughs> no matter what, you can lock them out all day long. You feed them that terrible dry dog food. Who knows what's in that stuff? <laughs> and still, <laughs> they're happy to see you. Do you know that the Hebrew word for dog is Caleb? 
I'm serious. And the word means all heart. That's the same reaction I got at second service. <laughs> Aww. That's what a dog, doesn't that capture a dog? They're just absolutely all heart. But if I was driving my car to church this morning, and instead of seeing a dead possum, possum I saw a dead baby, my reaction would be completely different. You know, we, we speak of murder, but when we say murder, we're talking about human beings. We're not talking about the death of an animal. Yet I told you earlier, millions of babies are killed in the United States every day under the legalized abortion law. And a guy killed a lion. I'm not saying what he did was right, but he killed a lion in Africa on some hunting expedition. And apparently he's going to be prosecuted. But Planned Parenthood will still get our money. There's something wrong. You guys understand? What's going on here? There's something wrong with us. When you extract God from the equation, you lose sense of dignity. God created man, verse 27. The word for man is Adam. That's where we get Adam. He created man, Genesis 1.27, in his own image. Notice the repetition. And Genesis 9.6 was to show you that even though the fall happened, we still retain the image of God. In fact, uh, just to skip ahead for a second, James says these words. Listen to this. He says, No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the image of God or the likeness of God. That's James 3.9. Here's the point. The image of God has not been lost, marred, muddied, but it, it will be fully retained when we are made like him. See, brethren, we don't know what we will be, but we know when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. See, we're anticipating a day when all of that junk will be gone and we will reflect the image of God more clearly. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. There's no mention in any of the creation of the animals about male and female, but when humans are mentioned, now you have male and female. Both created in the image of God. One man and one woman. Look at uh, Genesis 3. This is uh, right after the fall. Verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Because Genesis 3.19, from it you were taken... For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Adam, or Adama, means the dust. Adam was taken from the dust of the earth. He's tied, in some real sense, to the earth. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of how many? All the living, one man and one woman. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Right after the fall, they were naked and ashamed. An early picture of the gospel. We'll talk about this more. God apparently killed animals and clothed them. That's what he does for those who are in Jesus Christ. Here's my point. Mankind is special, and male and female are special in reflecting God's glory. There is a gift of singleness. Go back to Genesis 1. But you know what? I think one of the greatest expressions of the image of God is found in a husband and a wife becoming one in the context of marriage. My wife is totally different from me. 
in many ways. And that's by design. My wife can multitask and I am mono-minded. She tries to talk to me during Dodger games. It's not happening. I have to hit that pause button. It's an act of love. I hit the pause button and then I can hear her and she knows. She came up to me recently and she said, you're not hearing me, right? And I said, no, but let me pause it. And now that's good. Men can focus on certain tasks and get stuff done and that's a good thing. My wife, stereo-minded. She could be stirring the soup, talking on the phone and tell me where my socks are. It's an amazing gift of God. Honey, where's my sock? Third drawer down on the right side next to that red hat that you have since 1987. (laughs) Thank you, honey. Male, it wasn't an angel hat. (laughs) That was good. That That was good. Can you strike that from the record? comment (laughs) that's all right marriage is sacred when a man and woman come together in the context of marriage it communicates something it communicates God's image in a fuller way. It is sacred. If you have a sexual relationship with somebody outside your marriage, you've taken what God intended to be sacred and you've muddied it. God is a God of forgiveness. I made a bunch of huge mistakes in my late teen and early 20 years, but I'll tell you this. Everyone that you have a sexual relationship with It's a soul-to-soul relationship. Every person that you are intimate with will be imprinted on your soul for life. We have cheapened it. We said, oh, it's no big deal. You sleep with whoever. But no, in the context of marriage, God made them male and female. And when they come together, they not only reflect more the image of God, but they communicate something even deeper. Christ's relationship with his church We're messing with sacred things, you guys. We truly are. One man and one woman. R. Kent Hughes comments. He says, verse 27 is the first poetry in the Bible, consisting of three lines, each with four stresses and three repetitions of the verb bara, created. This is the high point toward which God's creativity from the opening verse is directed. So consider this. Though you could travel a hundred times the speed of light, past countless yellow-orange stars to the edge of the galaxy and swoop down to the fiery glow located a few hundred light years below the plane of the Milky Way. Though you could slow down to examine the host of hot young stars luminous among the gas and dust. Though you could observe close up the protostars poised to burst forth from their dusty cocoons. Though you could witness the star's birth in all your stellar journeys. You would never see anything equal to the birth of a human being. For a tiny baby girl or boy is the apex of God's creation. (laughs) It's all right. Got it? But the greatest wonder of all is that a child is created in the image of God. The Imago Dei, the child once was not, now as a created soul, he or she is eternal. He or she will exist forever. When the stars of the universe fade away, that soul 
shall still, still live. Jesus put it this way, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Did you know you're eternal? Did you know you have a soul? Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill your body. And after that, he has no power over you. Fear him who can ruin your soul and cast it into the deepest part of Hades. The soul will go back, the spirit will go back to God who gave it, and you will live, my friend, in one of two places forever. And you get to decide whether you want to be with your creator forever or whether you want to be separated from him forever. This is the truth of Scripture. One of the beauties of all that I could say about what it means to be an image bearer, I will give you some things that the reformer said as we wind down here. Reformers thought it was a lot, lot about your spirit. But it's this. It's moral consciousness. It's the ability to think abstractly. It's the ability to reason. It's an understanding of beauty and emotion. And above all, what it means to be an image bearer is the capacity for worship. One of the greatest expressions that you are an image bearer of God is your worship of God. To be connected to your Creator. You are God's work of art, Ephesians 2.10. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that you should walk in, in them. You are God's work of art. Just look around the room. We're all different. We have different hair color, different voices, different skills and gifts. God is a God of variety. There's like seven plus billion people on the planet, and we all look different, although they say some of us have twins somewhere. But think of the uniqueness of God. And God not only did that, made you his work of art, but he even allowed us to eat. Isn't eating a great blessing of God? I mean, Mel, you said this, I think your daughter said, he gave us taste buds. I mean, it could have been an injection that you just take for further nourishment, just plug into this machine. Okay, now you can go. No, you get to eat. It's glorious. God blessed them and God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, 28 and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. Every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. It would appear that in the early days of creation, I think it's clear, everybody... There was no carnivores. It was all vegetarianism. If you're going to go get a double-double after this, don't worry about it, because God said that was okay now too. But it appears in the new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem, that we'll go back to that state. That's why you'll be able to have a pet lion. They won't eat meat anymore. There'll be vegetarians in the afterlife, or in the new heavens and new earth of the new Jerusalem. And there'll be at least 31 additional flavors of fruits. I've got that... I don't even know if that's true, but. Uh, <laughs> and think about fruits. They have seed in them, so they continue to produce an inexhaustible food supply. You know who created that? God. So our food wouldn't run out. And for thousands of years, man has been living on seed bearing fruits and vegetables. And to every beast of the earth, 30, and to every bird of the sky, to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. 
And man is now the apex of God's creation. And one of the ways that he bears the image of God the most is through worship. We're about to take the elements of the Lord's Supper. And when we do, we're going to express worship to our maker. And it's one of the greatest things that you can do. You see, God made you his work of art. You are special. Some of you have been depressed. Some of you are tired. You pour it out. You're confused. You wonder if life's worth living. Can I tell you this? You are special. Just to be human is a privilege. You could have been something else. Right? I mean, it's possible. You could have been a fruit fly. <laughs> Two-day existence and people trying to swat at you all the time. And do you know that in reincarnation, <laughs> they teach that you could potentially come back as something else non-human because of your karma. That's scary. But it's not true. To be human is a privilege. And the Bible says one of the things it means to be human is to be God's work of art. I have a... Did I tell you about my wife artist in this service? I haven't. My wife is an artist. Her name is Brenda. She does a lot of the graphic design around the church. And uh, I asked her one day, based upon Ephesians 2.10, that we're God's work of art. I said, when you make something, honey, when you create a picture, if an artist does a sculpture, what is the artist trying to accomplish in what they create? Without hesitation, my wife says, an artist is always trying to express themselves through their art. Alfredo, you could talk about this. But she said it's not only expressing yourself through your art, it's wanting to evoke an emotion from those who witness your art. And I went, aha. That's exactly what God has done. He's an artist, and what does he want to do? Express himself through you that the emotion that comes back from those who see your life would be, wow, there's a God. And I'd like to know him too. That's what it means to be an image bearer. Father, thank you for your love for us. And as we get ready to take now of the Lord's Supper, I know that there are some in here who have had a heavy week. We just had Joe Osborne go home to be with the Lord and we lift up Maddie to you, Lord. And we know life throws us curveballs and... We have challenges and our emotions can mess with us and we can deal with difficult people and circumstances, health challenges, so many things that come at us, Lord. But you are a faithful God. And I think that one of the clear messages that you want to communicate this morning or this afternoon is that the folks that are here are special to you. In fact, you loved us so much that not only did you make us, you came to save us. You didn't leave us alone. You didn't just wind up the universe and say good luck. You didn't destroy us all and just start over. You, you saved us. The God who made everything came down to redeem us. Lord, that is such an incredible wonder. It seems like thank you is just so <laughs> insufficient, but as we come to your table this morning as the people of God, would you just touch us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you extend your hand of healing to those who need emotional, spiritual, physical healing? Would you, since you are a great intercessor, would you give us the strength 
to deal with something that we've had heavy on our hearts. Something that's been weighing us down. Maybe even hopelessness for some. Would you fill us afresh with your power? Remind us of how much we are loved. We are image bearers of God and you're going to finish what you started in us, Lord. Thank you that you're not only our creator, but our redeemer and savior. And as we come to your table, we come in gratitude and worship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are fearfully and wonderfully made because you have an incredible creator who has a good plan for your life. This is what the book of Genesis teaches us, that man has a special place in the universe. How special? Well, so special that God sent his only son to die for us. When man fell, as we will see in Genesis chapter 3, God came to rescue us. God became one of us. God became a man. Why? To live the perfect life that we could never live, to pay the ransom price, to take the wrath of God. This is a special value that we have as human beings. God loves us. God loves you. This is what the book of Genesis teaches us, among many other things, that God is a God of variety, a God of creation, and a God of love. He's also a holy God and a God of truth. And that's why you need to run to Jesus Christ because he paid the ransom price for your sin. Trust in him and him alone today for your salvation. If you need help with that in any way, contact us at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Folks, we're here on the radio to share the everlasting truth of the gospel, to share the true insight about man's origins and his destiny. And we find those answers in the 66 books that we call the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible verse by verse. And we're excited to be in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this broadcast. And if you can help us out uh, financially, we'd appreciate it. You can give to this ministry at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. I want to thank Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron Thomas for helping out on these broadcasts and on recording this material and we will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener supported ministry and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California 92880 Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.